Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. I said yesterday how emotional I was uh, regarding the shooting at Methodist Dallas. I'm not an emotional person. Um, when I took the uh, Myers-Briggs uh, test came out an INTJ uh, took it three times same every time um, my wife refers to me as Sheldon with social skills referring to the character from the Big Bang Theory I'm not an emotional person um, at the very most usually I find emotions to be inconvenient. They get in the way of getting stuff done. But this situation has hit me hard and maybe not because of the way most people might think. Yes, the loss of life is tragic. However, the fact is that life is lost every day. Our days are numbered. That is the nature of life. And how it is lost as a Christian, I know that each one of us that God knows that when each one of us is going to die my main concern every, every time I hear about somebody dying like uh, a celebrity or just regular folks I hear about people dying the first thing I think about every time that I wonder about and that I actually look for if I can find it in in the stories uh, in the testimonies of people who knew the individuals who died I look for whether or not that person was saved and of course that's even difficult to tell if this person went to church for their entire life and tithed and did all the right things that's not what gets you saved uh, one of the things that I look for the most is from people who knew them to say they knew the Lord they knew Christ because 
one thing that a lot of people get wrong, including some people who consider themselves Christians, is to think that Christianity is a religion. If you approach Christianity like it's a religion, you're doing it wrong, first of all. And you need to consider that. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with God, the Creator, through Christ. And that's one of the things that I look for. I have not yet heard anything about the two women who lost their lives at Methodist yesterday. I hope that they were. And this will cause a reaction in a lot of people who are not Christians. A reaction that is understandable. I remember one day when I was working with one of my favorite nurse anesthetists and we were waiting on a surgeon who was chronically late. Those of you who are surgical nurses and anesthesiologists, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was nothing for, for this guy to be like four or five hours late for a surgery. And we were standing around and he knew that I was a preacher and in what I can only assume because of the way he said it was a uh, was really more of a question to see my reaction to, to, to actually get my answer as opposed to uh, what a lot of people who consider themselves to be atheists just say it as a matter of course without thinking about it. He actually wanted an answer. He said to me, uh, One of the reasons that he was not uh, a Christian or a person of faith was because uh, of all the evil that was in the world. And I said to him, you know, it's funny to me that a lot of people blame God for all the evil in the world, especially I said, what, what, what if, just what if God is responsible for all the good in the world and we who are imperfect, we who are selfish are the ones who are responsible for the evil. And the reason that there is evil in the world is because God has given us the freedom to choose whether we're going to do it his way or whether we're going to do it our way. And he looked up for a second and thought about it. And he said, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And a lot of people don't.
a lot of people like to think that we're the good guys and that God is the bad guy for, for allowing such evil. And again, speaking to my CRNA friend, I explained to him, you know, how in the Bible, very clearly in, in Genesis, very, very beginning of everything, it talks about how God created everything and he saw that it was good. The reason that evil came into the world is because we had the choice whether or not we were going to follow God's way or do it our own way. Satan, in the form of a serpent, even said to Eve one of the one of the selling points he had for doing it our way or his way, was that if Eve ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that she would be like God. And we've been trying to be like God ever since. We've been trying to do it better than God. And it's funny that when we tried to be God the decisions that we make very frequently benefit us. God's not like that because he's perfect. Being perfect He's not insecure like we are about who's the best. He's just the best. People misunderstand God because they... Well, we can't understand him entirely, first of all. He is unfathomable. He is infinite. And that's something that we as finite creatures cannot understand. But he is also infinitely good, which is something that we cannot understand. And we superimpose ourselves over God. Take a look at every other God in every other religion throughout all of history and they are always they always have human traits. The gods of Greek and Roman myth. Look at the gods of any ancient culture and their myths. And they are always very human-like in their behavior. They're always prideful. They're always contesting over 
which one of them is the greatest and which one of them has the most power. You don't have to do that when you are reality, when you are power, when you are infinite. You don't have to, you don't have this insecurity about who's best and who's right when you're perfect. You are right. You are reality. You are righteousness. He doesn't have those traits that we have because we are constantly fighting each other over everything. And so he is not the author of the evil. We are because we were envious of his power and wanted to be like him. And so he allowed us to do that. He gave us the choice as to whether or not we were going to do that. Whether we were going to go our way or his way. And to quote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, we chose poorly. But him being infinite, he knew that we were going to choose poorly. And now there's going to be those out there going, <clears throat> well, why did he give us the choice? Why didn't he just create heaven and earth perfectly as they were? in the Garden of Eden perfectly as it was and not give us the choice but just make us do it his way. And the reason for that is, folks, because he wanted a relationship with us and still, right now, today, Every day, every second of every day, he wants a personal relationship with us. He wants to know you personally as an individual. He loves you personally as an individual, like his child. And the dichotomy there is that you can't have a relationship with somebody, a loving, true, loving relationship with somebody, if you have to. If you are forced to. One of the best quotes I have ever heard was actually from an episode of Veggie Tales, which, if you don't know what that is, is a, it's a Christian cartoon series. And the quote is, A gift demanded is no gift at all. We had to have the freedom to choose in order to have a true loving relationship with God. 
if you don't have the freedom to choose, then you are not in a loving relationship. You are a slave. You are a prisoner. And, excuse me for this sip of tea. Yes, it's Texas, and yes, that is sweet tea. Iced, of course. Um, if, if your love is demanded, and we see this every day all over the world where in abusive relationships the man or woman demands, one partner demands the love of another partner and holds that person prisoner. We see it all the time. Ask any police officer, ask any social worker, ask any nurse, and they will tell you how often it happens all the time. And it's actually a very predictable cycle as to how it works. And that's the reason that all these bad things happen. Is because when we play God... We do it exactly the opposite of how he does it. He gives people a choice as to whether or not to have a relationship with him. We decide who we want a relationship with, and then we go around trying to force that relationship to happen. In, in a lot of cases, anyway. Not saying everybody does that, but that is our instinct. That's our go to. In doing that, in that instant where Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they became different beings. God told them, if you eat of the fruit, you will die. And he didn't mean instant physical death, although physical death would result. When Adam and Eve were created, they had a spiritual connection, direct connection to God. When they disobeyed him, they instantly became separated from him because they had sinned. They became imperfect. They were no longer good as defined by God after he had created everything. 
now there are a bunch of you out there. Well, who's to decide what's good? And, and couldn't he just, you know, accept them anyway? And again, I turn to my experience as a surgical nurse. When we're doing surgery and we've got somebody opened up and say we're putting implants into that person like a hip replacement or a knee replacement or something along those lines. The area where the surgeon and the surgical tech, scrub tech, scrub nurse work is sterile, perfectly clean, free of microorganisms, free of dirt, it has to be, because if we put something that has even a single microorganism on it into the patient, excuse me, it can cause an infection. And depending on the microorganism, potentially kill the patient, which is a bad thing. If we drop an instrument, or even worse, an implant on the floor. There's no five-second rule. And even though that floor has just been scrubbed prior to the surgery with a chemical that not only kills microorganisms on contact but continues to kill for hours afterwards and the floor is scrubbed after each and every surgery even though that's the case we're still not going to pick up that implant that was dropped on the ground and put it back onto the sterile field to contaminate everything How much imperfection can something who is perfect accept and still be perfect? The answer is none. Now, this is not to say that we would in some way damage God. Rather, once we became imperfect... We would be damaged by God. We would be destroyed. You'll see in the Bible that uh, when uh, dealing with Moses on Mount Sinai, I believe it was Mount Sinai, it was stated that man could not even look upon God's face because man had become separated from God because of his imperfection. It would destroy man to even look upon God's face. But again, God knew this was going to happen because he transcends time and space. 
That's how big he is. He created time and space. So he is outside time and space. He can see what is going to happen before it happens. He knew the whole story, which is where biblical prophecy comes in, because he, on occasion, would tell humans what was going to happen before it happened. Anyway, because of this, he had a plan. Uh, Let me just give you some advice right off the bat. Never play God in chess or poker or any other game for that matter, because he already knows how it ends. This is the position that Satan is ironically in, by the way. Trying to play chess with God. But I digress. Because God knew what was going to happen, he had a plan to fix it. And again, back to the question, well, why couldn't God just, you know, accept us back for who we were? Why can't he accept us for who we are? Imperfect. Because God is not only perfect love, he is perfect justice. Now, there's a problem. People have big problem with that. That's probably the biggest problem people have with God is his justice. You see, you can't have perfect love without perfect justice. You cannot have love without justice. They are two sides of the same coin. One cannot exist without the other. And when there is a crime committed, the crime must be paid for. And we're talking a black and white kind of situation, a situation that, again, a lot of people buck at. They don't like it. You see, you are either perfect or you are not, to go back to my analogy of surgery, you are either sterile or you are not. If you are not sterile, you don't go back on the sterile field. You are done. That's it. It's over. Now, in surgery, if an instrument is dropped, it is not put back on the sterile field until it is re-sterilized. And re-sterilization, depending on the instrument means exposure to extreme heat for an extreme amount of time long enough to kill burn off all imperfections or exposure to a poisonous chemical for an extended period of time long enough to kill or destroy all imperfections for humans It means eternal separation from God. Now, if in reality we are the authors of everything that is selfish and everything that is evil, and God is the author of everything that is good, what kind of world 
What kind of existence do you think you will have if you are eternally separated from that good and only eternally surrounded by evil, by selfishness, by hatred, by anger, by despair? What kind of existence do you think that will be? You see, because that's another point that needs to be made. We were made to have a relationship with God forever, for eternity. We are eternal beings. In this particular physical form, this physical form, this body is not eternal. The reason this body is not eternal is because we were separated from God. Think about it as though your cell phone. What happens when you unplug your cell phone from the charger? It starts to wear down. The second law of thermodynamics. Things wear down. Things fall apart. Things get old. Things rust. Now, as long as your cell phone is connected to the charger, it stays 100% charged all the time, forever. The second you unplug it from the charger, it starts to wear down. That's the same with our world, with our universe. The second that we sinned, we got separated from the charger. We got separated from the source of life, spiritually and physically. And as a result, we started to wear down. This is when the second law of thermodynamics came into effect. Still, we have eternal souls. You're going to live forever. The only question is, where? And the fact is that the answer to that question can only be answered by you. You decide where it's going to be. Well, how do you decide that? Doc, you said we were already separated from God eternally. And that's true. But I also said God had a plan to deal with that. To use another analogy. Let's say you got a... You committed a crime of some kind. And you were sentenced by the judge to pay a certain amount of money that you were unable to pay. Let's say it was a billion dollars. Let's say you did something that was so bad 
that the fine was a billion dollars. And if you couldn't pay it, you were going to have to spend your life in prison. Those were your alternatives. Pay the billion dollars or go to prison. And let's say somebody came along and told the judge, Your Honor, I will pay the billion-dollar fine for this person. Okay? As long as you pay the billion-dollar fine, justice is served. The price has been paid. And then you get to go free. That's what Christ did. This isn't about who's good and who's bad or who's, I, I shouldn't say that, who's worse and who's better. It's not a matter of degrees. We are imperfect. We have sinned. We sin every day. And because of that, we are separated from God forever. But somebody came along and paid the fine. Now, it has to be somebody who's capable of paying the fine. It can't be somebody who's just one of us, a regular Joe, somebody who has sinned, because if it's somebody who has sinned, well, then they're just as guilty as everybody else. And they have to pay the fine for themselves, too. It has to be somebody who has not sinned. Let me read you something. This is from the Bible. It's a little bit long, but hang in there. Who has believed our message? And whom has the arm of the Lord, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He, has despised and he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one for whom men hide from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. 
the chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. Now, who do you think that was written about? Who do you think that that particular passage was written about? If you say Jesus, then you are right. That was written about Jesus. You want to know something really interesting? That was written... 740 years before the birth of Christ. That was a prophecy from the book of Isaiah about Jesus. Which brings me to my next point. God did not want to leave us without instruction. Because as that passage points out, all of us have gone astray. All of us have turned to our own way. And if left unsupervised, if left without instruction, we would destroy each other. And we have frequently tried 
and we are continuously doing so, killing each other, destroying each other, oppressing each other constantly. God wanted to leave us with instruction as to how to live, and he did so through his word, the Bible, initially through the law that was given to Moses. And it's actually relatively simple. It's something that I point out to my children all the time when they do something wrong. I ask them, how, how hard is it? You know what you're supposed to do. You know you're not supposed to touch your brother's stuff. You know you're not supposed to use certain words, especially around ladies. But you still do it. Even five to ten minutes after I've told you not to do something, you still do it. We're no different than those kids. We require instruction. And so God gave us instruction through his word. And that particular word was written 740 years before Christ existed. And yet it speaks of him in the past tense. As I explained to you, God created space and time and exists outside of space and time. So when he makes a prophecy for him, it's already happened. And you can see in a lot of biblical prophecy that it is spoken of in past tense. A lot of stuff in the book of Revelation talking about the end times is written in the past tense because it's already happened as far as he is concerned. Here's another little tidbit. Every single prophecy in the Bible that has been written has up to this point come to pass. It has all happened already. There are a few prophecies that have not yet happened. The two biggest ones I can think of are Ezekiel 38 and 39 and, of course, the entire book of Revelation. But if you have a friend who has a track record of picking the participants of and winners of every Super Bowl, every World Series, every World Cup, every time, 100%, every year, into the future. And this person is always right, has a perfect track record. It might behoove you to listen to that individual. Now, you can't be forced to listen to that individual. You can't be forced to 
read and follow the Bible. You can't be forced to accept Christ's sacrifice for you. As I pointed out before, you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to do that. That is entirely up to you. Just understand that if you decide not to choose to accept Christ's sacrifice and accept God's love, then you are going to spend eternity separated from God. It's your choice. It's... And it's not like God is looking at you and going, oh, you're a bad person because you're this or you do that. or you. No, that's not how God sees us. He sees the person that he created as an individual and that he loves very much and that he wants to spend eternity with forever and ever. He's paid the price for not only the sins that you've committed up to this point, but the sins that you're going to commit in the future. It's all paid for. The entire billion-dollar fine has been paid for. Once you accept Christ... It's paid for. Once you accept Christ and you start to have a relationship with God, you start to change. But God is not some cosmic killjoy who's up there going, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And this is, it's, it's not the way it works. He, the law that he sent down, the rules that he sent down for us is for our benefit. When you set rules for your children, you're not doing it to be a tyrant. You're doing it to protect them. It's the same thing here. And when your child does something wrong, unless you are a sociopath, a narcissistic sociopath, which we have a world full of them right now, you don't hate your child because they did something wrong. You love your child. You forgive your child. If your child breaks your favorite coffee cup, you don't hate your child. You love your child. And you buy another coffee cup. You pay the price to fix the coffee cup because you can. And your child accepts that and they accept your love. That's what we're talking about here. But you have the choice. There will be a judgment. There has to be. Just like when you commit a crime, you have to go before a judge. When you break the rules, you got to answer for it. A lot of people call it karma. It's not karma. 
There's no such thing as karma. There is justice. And there will be a judgment. If you've accepted the payment of the fine that was made for you, you're good to go. There's the door. Fine's been paid. You're covered. If you have not accepted it, then you are responsible for paying the fine. Again, your choice. You are responsible for paying the fine. And you will be judged. And that fine will be required of you. There are two ways to get into heaven. And by heaven, I mean eternity with God. There's two ways. You are either perfect or you're paid for. That's it. Those are the only two ways. If you are not perfect, which none of us are, then you have to be paid for. Your ticket has to be paid for. Your fine has to be paid for. If you do not accept that, then you have to pay the fine. And it is a fine that you cannot pay because you are not perfect. Therefore, you will have to be eternally separated from God. That is how Christianity, reality, works. That's the whole story. And that's why every time I hear that somebody has been killed, I wonder to myself, did that person accept the payment of the fine? Because eventually... After you die on this planet, physically, it's too late. Your opportunity to make that decision is your entire life on this planet. Now we could get into, well, what about babies and what about people who never knew Jesus and all that kind of stuff, who don't know about all of this. You are held to account for what you know. In Levitical law, it frequently talks about, or I should say occasionally talks about, if somebody makes a transgression but is not aware that they have made a transgression, they are not held responsible for it. But the fact is that you know that you're not perfect. You do imperfect stuff all the time, even if you try to convince yourself that you do not. And folks... You know that there is a God. 
you might not want there to be a God. Because if there is a perfect God, then there is perfect justice. And if there is perfect justice, that means that you can be judged. If there is a perfect God, if there is a standard of good and evil, that means that you can be measured against that standard. And it means that you will be found lacking like all the rest of us. This is not me judging you folks. It's not my place to judge. It's not my job to judge in that respect. Because I'm not perfect either, but God is, and it is his place to judge. And he has every right to judge because he is not like us, as I stated before. I hope that you will heed this. I hope that you'll listen to it. I don't know if you will or not, but I will get into more because that's what I think I do. I pray and hope that you will listen to this. Because we're all going to die, folks. Every one of us. We don't know how. We don't know when. Only God knows how. God knows when. We can be safe and secure in the knowledge that we are going to be spending eternity with God in paradise. Or we can make up our own mythos about where we're going to spend eternity. Create our own story in our own head. Or we can go further and try to deny reality exists. That's entirely up to us. If you have any questions about this, comments, you can reach me at the email address docbryantshow at zohomail.com. That's Z-O-H-O-Mail.com. You can also reach me on social media, Twitter. I am at docbryantactual. On minds.com gab getter g-e-t-t-r truth social I think that's it minds gab getter truth social yeah Uh, I'm at Doc Bryant I have a locals page and I have a gilded page it's gilded.com and locals.com if you have any questions have any comments then I would be happy to 
discuss stuff with you. If you have any hate mail, I would be more than happy to use that as a foil for discussion. Thanks for listening. I hope you listened, and I pray you make the right decision. Talk to you all later.